South of the Six podcast, bringing you the latest on your favorite Toronto sports teams from south of the Canadian border. Here's your host, Adam Corsair. It's been a long time since we've done an episode like this. It's been a long time since I've done a solo podcast in the Q&A, and I'm happy to do it. It's sort of refreshing. Welcome to the South of the Six podcast. We are part of the StadiumScene.tv network, part of the Overtime Media crew, and we are coming to you live from the Vivid Seats studios. That's right, a new studio. Um, Yeah, it's been a while since I've done a solo podcast. I remember back in the day when I first started this project, that's all I did was solo projects, and it's come a long way. But sometimes, you know, especially at the end of the month, especially at the end, or rather towards the end of a baseball season, might feel like it's the end for the Blue Jays season. But especially towards the end of a season, you sort of want to have a refresher. You sort of want to have something to to sort of summarize what has been going on here in a solo sense, and that's what this is all about. So let's just get right to it. Um as I mentioned, we are coming to you live from the Vivid Seats Studios. We have brand new sponsorship, and that is very much appreciated and very much welcome. Um, new microphone, new everything. So if you hear a difference in terms of the sound quality, you know why. Um, so yeah, the Blue Jays season thus far, I understand. It's been pretty underwhelming. We're sort of summarizing what has been going on. It's been pretty underwhelming, but it's had its moments. In terms of the win-loss, in terms of the bottom line of where this team stands, the MLB, it's not super noteworthy. But it is still something to be excited about because you get to see these kids blossom. You get to see a new identity of this Blue Jays team sort of form into fruition in front of your eyes, which is always a valuable thing. Um, I think a lot of people have been so conditioned to to be used to the the identity of Jose Bautista, Edwin Encarnacion, and Josh Donaldson being the core of this team, Russell Martin and Troy Tulowitzki included. But now you're seeing this whole new identity. And speaking of Josh Donaldson, we'll, we'll just get right into the talk here. It was really refreshing, speaking of refreshers, to see him come back to the to the Rogers Center, to the Sky Dome, as I like to say. Come back to the Dome, come back home. Um, he had nothing but positive things to say about his time in Toronto. And that is something that is, I wouldn't say rare, but it's welcome, right? I feel like as a fan base, we we want to be this this city or this team that is noted by other players. In other words, we want to have the acknowledgement that we are a top-tier organization in terms of respect, in terms of quality, in terms of the fan base, right? We come out in droves. We come out to support whether it be the Blue Jays, the Raptors, the Leafs, we come out loud and proud, right? And it was great to see Josh Donaldson acknowledge that. It was great to see JD sort of put that in the forefront in interviews saying that he valued his time in Toronto and that 2015 was a magical season for him. Because, you know, as fans, it was magical for us too, right? I can remember in vivid detail the emotions that I felt during that 2015 season. Um, 
as you guys know, or maybe you don't, if you're listening to this for the first time, first of all, welcome. But if you don't know, I have been a Blue Jays fan for the vast majority of my life, way before I was a Raptors fan. Um, and it, it's something that has been nitpicked at in terms of like the surrounding audience here, right? I live in New England. I live in the smallest state in the United States in Rhode Island. And I was born and raised here and everybody is either a Red Sox fan or a Yankee fan, right? Predominantly Red Sox fans. Um, it, it's not easy being the redheaded stepchild of the AL East in terms of perce- perception by these these two fan bases that are surround me, right? Red Sox fans now have this entitlement attitude because Boston is like this mecca that will spend all this money, sort of what the Yankees used to be, and that is still carrying over to this day in the Yankee fan base attitude, right? Um, the Blue Jays, for me, that 2015 season was so refreshing and, and such a welcome sight that, you know, 1992-93, I was alive for those World Series wins. In fact, I witnessed them, but I was way too young to sort of appreciate that, right? And when it came to 2015, that was something in my adult life that I'll never forget. And Josh Donaldson was a huge part of that. In fact, he kickstarted that, right? Brett Laurie was a... a very much a fan favorite in Toronto, not necessarily because of his abilities. I think it was more so because of the look and the fact that he was a Canadian kid. Um, Having him being traded away for Josh Donaldson at the time, you were like, oh man, is this, is this the kind of deal we want to be making? But Alex Anthopoulos really dug his heels in there and and we got a, a future MVP in Josh Donaldson. And for that, that was something that you know, as a Blue Jays fan, you valued, you appreciated, you you wanted to wear that badge day in and day out and say, yes, I am a fan of the team that holds the current MVP. And that is not something that should be scoffed at. That is not something that we should sort of disregard as something in the past. No, that that is that is a big deal, right? And you know, I'm, I'm getting off track here, but Josh Donaldson was a huge part of that 2015-16 run that we all experienced. And, and 2016, in fact, was a little bit more nail-biting, right? 2015 was kind of coasting during the regular season, especially after the, after the David Price trade, right? As, as soon as that point hit, there was momentum pushing this Blue Jays team towards the top of the division. And for us to win it and witness that, it was magical. But 2016 was a little different in the fact that, well, we had to win a wild card game, right? We had to beat the Orioles in the wild card game, and there was, like, beer throwing on on the field and shit, and it was just sort of messy, but that was part of the nail-biting aspect. And when Edwin hit, hit that walk-off home run, it was like, okay, we're destined for this again. And then the Blue Jays take it to the Texas Rangers again for the second year in, the ro- in a row for the ALDS and with the Donaldson dash at the end of that game, it was it was just beautiful, right? With Odor making the bobble and the throw home and Donaldson beat it with the Donaldson dash. It was just, you will always remember where you were and how you felt at that moment, right? And Josh Donaldson was 
part of that. Josh Donaldson was the catalyst of that. Josh Donaldson was a huge, huge integral part of the team's success during those two years. And I can see why people get attached. I can see why people want to hang on to that and sort of be reluctant or not nearly as welcoming to this new addition as they were to the the main core of the previous years in 2015 and 16. You know, the Jose's, the Edwins, the JD's, the Tulos, the Russell Martins. And I get it. I get it. That was a really fun team to watch. But, you know, with with this new Blue Jays squad, I think, John Gibbon said it best on uh, on Sportsnet. He said there was no way that this team could have moved forward with both Vladdy and JD. There was just no way that was going to happen. You have uh, a future, you know, superstar in Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and a current former MVP in Josh Donaldson, both playing the same positions. Yeah, there was no way those two entities could coexist on the same team, especially with Josh Donaldson being as vocal and as, um, I guess, forward in his leadership qualities in in the clubhouse and, uh, you know, outspoken as he was. I don't know that that would really mesh well with this young core. I get the aspect of a veteran leadership quality is important for this team. I just don't necessarily think that Josh Donaldson was the guy to sort of you know, springboard that. So in closing, I get, uh, when it comes to Josh Donaldson, I'll always be appreciative, appreciative of it. I'll always be appreciative and acknowledge his abilities and his, his part and his impact on this team. And it was only for a short bit, right? It, it was only for just a little bit of time in comparison, right? Josh Donaldson was only here really for a blip on the radar and a, and a blink of an eye on the time uh, on the clock of the Blue Jays, right? But his impact was so large that it's one of those things where his name will definitely go on the level of excellence. And I'm, I'm envious of anybody that was able to go to that game last night. Um, I'm envious of anybody that was able to see that tribute video live and see the, the emotional response of both the crowd and Josh Donaldson. Nothing but class, right? And that is something that you can expect from this fan base. This fan base doesn't forget, right? This fan base isn't the type of fan base that will forget where they, they once were and who was part of that, that time. Right. I'm sure if Johnny Mac came back for a day or something, fans would go ape shit. They would appreciate it because he was a fan favorite at the time. If somehow Munenori Kawasaki made his way back to Toronto, even if he was just in the stands, people would appreciate and probably give him an ovation. Even though he wasn't that, you know, integral to the success, he was still a fan favorite, much like uh Johnny Mac. Um there the Blue Jays fans remember their players. They remember who was in the lineup. They remember who was part of the team. They remember every detail of everything when it comes to their team. And that's what makes this this fan base so special. So I tip my cap to Josh Donaldson. I tip my cap to him. I, I you know, obviously he's not going to listen to this or maybe he will, but I just, I have to thank him for everything, you know, like this, he was part of the excitement and part of the gift that was 2015 and 16 to this fan base that was just hungry for a postseason, hungry for an appearance and acknowledgement from the national media, right? And it, he was 
very much integral to that. If it wasn't for Josh Donaldson, who knows? Maybe we would have never gotten the bat flip. Maybe we would have never gotten the Edwin walk-off wild card game. Maybe, well, definitely, we wouldn't have never gotten the uh, the Donaldson dash, right? Maybe AA wouldn't have made the trade for David Price. The, it was such a large domino effect that... All these things, the conglomerate of it all matter. And Josh Donaldson was a huge part of it. So, you know, he's the GOAT. He's one of the GOATs when it comes to the Blue Jays, and his name will be on the level of excellence. And uh, I I look forward to that when it does happen. Um, But I do want to get into the future of this team. Uh, I do want to get to what fans have to look forward to when they do go to the Dome to watch this team. Um, Speaking of going to the Dome, as I mentioned, we are now within the Vivid Seats studios, right? And, you know, as part of this, I just want to let you guys know, if you guys are going to any sports game, any event, right? Head on over to Vivid Seats and use promo code OVERTIME. You can go on their mobile app and you can save up to 100 bucks on all ticket purchases. It's only for the first time use, only for first time customers only. But look, that's a huge deal. You could save up to 100 bucks to go to maybe sit front row at the, at the Sky Dome to watch these young kids light it up. Why, why wouldn't you do that? Just head on over to Vivid Seats, use their mobile app, go to your favorite, um, you know, application store, whether, whether it's Google, the Google store, or the Apple store, or whatever, download the Vivid Seats app, use promo code OVERTIME, all one word, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E. Head on over there, use promo code OVERTIME, first time users, you can save up to 100 bucks on all ticket purchases and that's not just for sports games that's for any ticket you want to go to a concert promo code overtime you want to go to a comedy show or a theater show promo code overtime but i recommend going to maybe you know like i mentioned the sky dome or if you want to you know wait maybe get some raptors tickets at the uh, Scotiabank arena use promo code overtime it will it'll save you up to a hundred bucks no questions asked This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, like I said, I want to get into talking about the impact of this young core that is on the Blue Jays team right now. I should mention I am recording this Wednesday evening. I do plan to get to all the questions that you guys submitted for the Q&A. Towards the end of the show, I just want to cover my ground here when it comes to the Blue Jays. Um, There are a lot of layers that we need to uncover when it comes to this team. Um, I want to focus pretty much on three players in particular. One that is on the major league roster and two that are kind of creeping up and they're creeping up quick. One of them, one of those two is going to be a huge surprise. But I can't stop talking about Bo Bichette. And I know that's the guy that's on everyone's mind, right? He is just, he's a lightning rod for this team. I, I don't know what it is. I was on the Jay Bird Watching podcast earlier this week. If you haven't subscribed to that show, I highly recommend you do and listen to that episode. We were talking about how perhaps the impact that we were anticipating for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was actually fulfilled by Bo Bichette. And there's a lot of truth to that. Now, that doesn't take anything away from the talent of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I don't want to get it twisted here. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is still an integral, if not the most important piece of this organization's future, bar none. But Boba Shit came out like a bat out of hell. 
There was no stopping him. The confidence and swagger that he exhibited from the get-go was infectious. And much like we were talking about Josh Donaldson, Bo Bichette reminds me of him a lot. Right? That swagger, that confidence, that fuck off, I'm going to do what I got to do, and I'm going to rake attitude. That is infectious among the locker room. And you can sort of see the impact that he's had on this team, right? It's been... Like, I can't think of a better word. It's been infectious. He has been, ever since his arrival, this team has sort of been more entertaining, if you can believe it, right? They've been hitting better. They've been playing better as a unit. They've been more collective in how they performed on the diamond. And that is something that, I don't know, that was sort of missing last year, right? The identity just wasn't there. The intangibles just weren't there last year. It was sort of like we were sleepwalking. It was sort of like a purgatory season, right? You didn't really know how to evaluate it. It was just lost. It was gray. This year, though, there's a lot of colors in that rainbow, and there are a lot more that are going to become visible in years to come. And Bo a huge part of that. So far, since his arrival, from the, uh, on this Blue Jay squad, he has been raking, right? He arrived on this team July 29th, so it hasn't even been a month. I get it, today's the 28th, so maybe tomorrow when you listen to this, yeah, it's been a month, but still, the sample size is rather small, but it's still something that, well, it's very impressive, right? Over the course of those, of that month, rather, his line is 347, 384, 669, with an OPS of one point. Oh, five, three. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. That is something that if you would have asked me at the beginning of the season, hey, Adam, on August 28th, what player is going to have that line? Intuitively, I would have said Vladimir Guerrero Jr., right? Intuitively, I would have said Vladdy's going to rake when he comes up and he's going to be the best thing since sliced bread. Sliced bread is pretty fucking great. And so is Vlad, right? But no, it's been Bo. So it, it makes you wonder... You know, who is the better overall talent on this team, right? And again, nothing to take away from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is special. But I would say that Bo Bichette overall as a ball player is the better talent than Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I do think Vladimir is going to hit a little better than Bo Bichette, if not a lot better, right? Especially with that violent swing. When everything starts to click, he's, he's going to be special to watch. He's going to be dangerous at the plate. But right now, I can't help but see that Bo Bichette is perhaps more valuable, right? In, in terms of not his value, in terms of his impact on the team, in terms of what he can provide for this team, in, certain, in, in terms of stability on and off the field, in terms of stability on both sides of the diamond, right? At the plate and in the field, he is someone that can do it all. I have my doubts about how Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is going to perform at third base. In fact, I kind of envision him to be a future first baseman, maybe even starting next year, maybe, depending on how, you know, what happens with Justin Smoke, what's the future of Rowdy Telez, there's that ripple effect that we've talked about on the show. But I do envision Vladimir Guerrero Jr. being a future first baseman, at least at some point in his tenure as a Blue Jay. Bobachet, I don't see him going anywhere. And when you have a solid shortstop, someone that can provide that anchor point at that position, that is so valuable. And especially one that can rake like Bobachet has been doing. So it's going to be interesting to see how those two feed off each other moving forward. Maybe Vladimir Guerrero Jr. becomes more relaxed. And he has been performing well, don't get me wrong. He's been much better than he was at the beginning of the season. But perhaps, you know... 
starting next season, the the pressure will sort of be off and the spotlight won't shine as bright and the heat won't be there on Vladimir Guerrero Jr. as much as it has been this year. This year has been all about the arrival of this ki- these kids. Next year, maybe it's going to be all about the growth of them and how they're going to develop, right? They'll have a full season to do so. So right now, it's going to be interesting to see how well those two uh, feed off each other and how they're going to form that identity that I've mentioned uh, moving forward. Um, speaking of moving forward, the other two players I want to talk about Nate Pearson, we'll start with him. Wow. Like, this kid has been lights out since joining the Bisons on the 20th. He's been ridiculous, and he may, in fact, be the guy that pushes them into the playoffs. We'll see about that. But the kid's on fire, right? He, and he only spent a considerable short time in AA. I want to say it was only, like, what, 14, 15 games in AA? It's pretty impressive, right? And and two games so far in AAA, one uh, against the uh, Paw Sox here in Rhode Island. They played in uh, Buffalo, but the Paw Sox, you know, they're not great. They're actually pretty bad this year, but he's still lighting up, right? So far during his time in AAA, he is, I, I know a lot of people don't like to put stock in ERA, but still in two starts and 13 innings pitched, his ERA is 1.38. Right? He has 10 strikeouts in how many walks? Zero. Not one. He hasn't walked a guy yet. I know. Two games, small sample size, 13 innings. Let's not you know, get overly excited here. But still, no walks. And only two earned runs. Two. That's it. And five hits in 13 innings. It's pretty good. It's, it's actually very good. And it's a sign that right now, as hyped as we were about Vladdy, as hyped as we were about Bobachet when they were in the minor league system, right now Nate Pearson's the guy, right? He's the guy that we need him to complete this this new identity, to complete this this aura that we have, to anchor that rotation and be that guy, right? And once that happens, we're closer and closer to seeing a, a final product that Atkins and Shapiro has advertised, and that's that's exciting, right? If I don't expect him to be a September call-up, I, I don't. He's not going to come up in September. He needs more time to develop. In fact, I don't think he's going to break camp with the Blue Jays either. But I do think he's going to make it difficult for them to make that decision, right? And I do think that starting in spring training, he's going to, as you know, that the aforementioned podcast that I was on earlier this week, my buddy Craig mentioned. He needs to get as many starts as possible in, tr- in spring training, and I couldn't agree more. We need to know what we got, right? And he uh, he needs to make this decision as hard as possible for the brass. Maybe he does break camp with the Jays. Maybe he's going to be surprised and be a, a rookie ace coming into the team and really pushing them forward. That'd be really exciting to see. I don't anticipate it. I don't think that's going to happen, but stranger things have happened. So Nate Pearson, that's someone that you need to keep your eye on, man. And I know he's right now the the bright, shiny toy in, in the prospect pool right now. And, it, and it's super exciting to have that, especially with the pitching staff that's so thin right now in the majors. If he can be that guy to put it all together for this team or part of the, the collective unit that puts it all together, that's exciting. That's something that I think that uh, will really propel us forward quicker and sooner than we actually thought would happen in terms of competing for the division. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. 
All right, last guy I want to get into, and this is this is a surprise for me, man. Anthony K. Right, part of the Strowman trade. Look, I know a lot of people like to shit on the uh, the front office. I know a lot of people are weary of how they operate this team. I know people don't really trust their their intuition, right? But you got to give him credit, man. Anthony K. has been all right, save for that first outing. He's been pretty good right over the course of what has it been six games with the bisons he has a two and one record his era is 1.89 in what is it 33 and a third innings pitched are you kidding me only seven earned runs and 36 strikeouts and 19 walks it's pretty good right it's it's look I was reluctant to uh, buy into it that quickly with Anthony Kay. I needed to see more. And the Mets, the system that they have isn't one that is highly touted. It isn't one that is super valuable. It isn't one that people consider to be a great prospect pool, right? But you got to give credit to Shapiro and Adkins for finding this guy or seeking this guy, I should say. And really, I don't want to say hit a home run, but at at least they made some contact here, right? The pitching depth is unbelievably thin, as I mentioned, right? And if Anthony Kay can be part of that and pitch this way, we're in good shape. Let's say at best he's a number three in the rotation, at best. That's pretty good, right? And and I know we can't translate AAA numbers and apply them to the MLB. That's That's irresponsible. But... You have to be at least satisfied with how he's been performing, right? You have to be at least satisfied with the way he's been going out there and and really making it a case that he wants to be part of this team and he's earning it, right? And especially his off-the-field things, his Twitter interactions, he's making an effort to really discover the Canadian culture, especially the Toronto culture, I should say. He's really making an effort to be inundated in that in the most positive ways and he wants to discover the culture and he's not scoffing at it like we we envision guys when they're traded to toronto to be oh man i don't want to be there i don't want to go through customs i don't want to go through the trouble i don't want to deal with this he's embracing it he's welcoming it and he's really tackling it and he's taking to the fans right he's taken to them and being this guy that's like hey man like tell me everything you can about toronto tell me everything there is to know is this a good spot like recommend me places to go and i'm gonna go there and that's pretty dope right it's pretty cool that he wants to discover these things and not thumb his nose at it right and and outwardly too i'm sure a lot of guys do that in their private lives and they don't broadcast it on twitter but this guy's all about it right this guy's all about trying to discover the city and really embrace it and be an honorary canadian citizen in that way and an honorary torontonian in that way and i and i have to give him credit that's awesome that is really cool to see and i think by doing that he's sort of planting the seeds to be that fan favorite right down the line he's making the sting of losing marcus stroman to some people a little less dire right a little less severe on the sting he's putting some coolant on it right it's it's good it's good that we have this depth in the system and it wouldn't surprise me at all if he breaks camp in spring training and comes up to this Blue Jay squad starting uh, in 2020. Wouldn't surprise me at all. In fact, I'd welcome it. And 
And the reason why I say that is because he's a Shapiro and Atkins guy. He was sought after, right? And they were a little bit forward-thinking in this way to say, okay, we're going to need pitching depth. We'll see who's ready in the immediate term, and Anthony Kay could be that guy, right? So when you have a rotation consisting of, let's see, who would be part of it? If Shoemaker recovers correctly, he'll be part of the rotation. If Panone can get his shit together, maybe he's part of the rotation. Waggis Pack at best a number three at worst a number five he'll be part of that rotation right I don't know what's going on with Sean Reed Foley but you could throw Anthony Kay into that conversation and you could do a lot worse and at that point you go outside a free agent who knows what can happen who knows what this team could offer in terms of a competitive window who knows what this team can do in 2020 I think they're going to surprise a lot of us I think they're going to do a lot of damage. I think they're going to not maybe set the division on fire, not maybe, you know, compete with the likes of the Yankees. The Yankees are going to be good for a long time, but I do think they're going to make some noise. And I do think they're going to sort of rumble the floor a little bit and say, Hey, we're coming. We're, we're on our way. We're nipping at your heels. We're, we're coming for you, Tampa Bay. We're going to take over what you have done in this division. Or maybe nip at the heels of the Yankees and say, yeah, you're awesome right now. You're really good, but we're coming. And once it all clicks... It's gonna be it's gonna be amazing. So keep an eye on these kids, man. Keep an eye and appreciate what we have in the system because I know it was it was painful to see Aaron Sanchez and Marcus Stroman go, but when you consider the future of this team, it's gonna be fun, man. I promise you it's gonna be fun. So keep up with them. All right, I'm gonna take a quick break right here. We'll be right back and we're gonna answer the QA that I provided. Hang tight. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, here we go. I got questions asked to me on Twitter, Instagram, and an email. It's it's pretty dope how people have responded to this. So let's just get right into it. This comes from That's a Rap Podcast. And I should say, if you guys have not subscribed to That's a Rap Podcast and you are Toronto Raptors fans, you guys don't know what you're missing. They're the official podcast of Raptors HQ, and they do outstanding stuff. It's three dudes talking Raptors for fans, by fans. Can't recommend them enough. Um, they ask, who on the Raptors' current roster would be a killer on the diamond in baseball? Vice versa for the Jays on the hardwood. It's a tough question, man. Like, you you look at the Raptors' roster. Let's break this down. Like, who would be that guy on the Raptors' roster that I think could rake? <sighs> I... <laughs> It's so awkward because, like, you want to think of a big guy that will mash home runs, but I just don't think Serge Ibaka <laughs> would have the prettiest of swings, and Marcus All may be a little awkward as well. So maybe Norm. Like, Norm seems like one of those athletes that can do it all and, and be clean doing it. And I don't mean clean in, like, the the, the the drug sense. I mean, like, in his approach and his at-bats at and his the way he uh, would approach the diamond and come to the plate and evaluate the pitcher. I think he's got it in him. I'm going to go with Norman Powell. I think he could do some damage on that on the, for the Blue Jays, if that ever were to happen. Uh, but in the reverse, who on the Blue Jays would be awesome in basketball? It's a good question, too. Um, definitely not Vladdy. I think he'd be a little too slow and definitely not rowdy for the same reasons. And definitely not Justin smoke. Those knees aren't are, they're They're shot man. they're not working. Um, so you can probably eliminate catchers in that regard too. Uh, it's a good question. I would probably go with Kevin, baby Bo, 
Maybe even Grichuk. I'm going to stick with Cavan. I think Cavan could be uh, pretty deadly on the hardwood. Maybe he's got a nice three-point shot. Maybe he's got something up his sleeve that can uh, be deadly from beyond the arc. So let's go with Cavan Biggio. That was a cool question. I, it makes you think, like, sort of puts you in a position to think who on this on these teams would be good for the opposite. That'd be it's uh, pretty neat. All right, this comes uh, from Jeff on Twitter. Outside of Nate Pearson, which minor league pitching prospect should we really be paying attention to? TJ Zoic. You should really be paying attention to TJ Zoic. Um, I think he pitched a no-hitter for the Bisons not too long ago, but he is someone that is on my radar. And I don't want to say that he's going to light it up and be this guy that's going to be like uh, of the Nate Pearson ilk. I, I don't think that's the case but i do think he's going to be special for this team i think he's got a spot in the starting rotation i think he's going to be uh maybe a number three at best i would love to see him to be a number two but i think a number three pitcher is where he slots in nice in the rotation i think he's got the stuff man I think he can uh, be deadly for this team. He's a righty. I know I, I love left-handed pitchers, man. I really do. But I do think that he can uh, he can provide some some stuff for this uh, for this Blue Jay squad. He joined the Bisons in June, and uh, since then he's been he's been good. He's been actually very good. His ERA isn't anything that you want to like highlight, but still a three point eight two ERA in. Uh, 31 earned runs, 31 uh, walks, 39 strikeouts, 65 hits. It's not great, but over 73 innings, you consider the sample size is rather small. It's still pretty good, right? And if you're getting that out of your number three pitcher, I like it. I think uh, I think TJ Zoic is another guy that you should be paying attention to. Other than that, Patrick Murphy, uh, he's another one that I think will come up through the system. I'm not sure he's going to be part of the rotation. He seems more like a bullpen guy to me. I saw him in New Hampshire earlier this year. He was starting at that point, and he provided a lot of good, uh, some good off-speed stuff. But at the same time, I think the bullpen is where he'll uh, slot in nicely for this team. Um, moving on, this comes from Jordan. Uh, you're playing with my heartstrings when it comes to Matt Thomas, but will Matt Thomas join the likes of Wes Unseld and Will Chamberlain and win Rookie of the Year and MVP in the same season? No, dude. No, he's not. Uh, as much as I, was, I would love to see it, he's not, he's not going to be that guy. He's Look, no one should be blind to the, to the love I have for Matt Thomas on this team and the potential that I think he's going to provide for the Toronto Raptors. I'll get more into detail later because someone else asked me a question as it pertains to Matt Thomas, but there's something about him that just screams sleeper to me. And I know like prospect porn is a thing. I know we can get swept up when it comes to video hype, but there's something about him that I'm just, I'm liking. I think he's going to get... A very good opportunity for this team and provide something special for the Raptors. Um, so let's let's get into that. So this comes from Chris on on Instagram. He asked me who on the Toronto Raptors would be the biggest surprise for you moving forward into the season. Again, Matt Thomas. Um, this is an international signee, right? And when it comes to how Masai Jerry um, evaluates international talent, that is not something that. I thumb my nose at. In fact, that is something that I, I think he's very good at finding these diamonds. Consider Pascal Siakam, right? Pascal Siakam wasn't someone that was high on a lot of people's draft boards. In fact, it wasn't. It was 
there were some media outlets that insulted Masai for drafting Pascal when he did. And he's turned into the MIP, and he's going to be a beast for this team moving forward. That's not to say Matt Thomas is going to be the same way. It's not to say Matt Thomas is going to have this MVP caliber season. But I do think with the loss of Kawhi Leonard, with the loss of Danny Green, that's a lot of three-point shooting that's no longer on this team, right? And Kyle Lowry has turned into this facilitator, and it's yet to be seen if he's going to be that scorer that he was two years ago with DeMar, or if he's going to stay that facilitator and really keep those assist numbers where they are or around there um if pascal siakam is going to be the number one scorer on this team and we'll consider kyle lowry to be number two maybe fred is in the number three but if matt thomas can get it in a groove beyond the arc he might be that guy this is a guy that shot 47 percent in the international uh portion of his career from deep that's pretty good and he averaged five just about five attempts per game it's pretty good, right? And there's going to be a lot of opportunities for guys to let it launch if the the scheming and the play style on offense remains the same. Nick Nurse is going to let them loose. He's going to let them shoot when they want to shoot and shoot or shoot. And Matt Thomas is a shooter. And I really think that he's going to open some eyes for people watching this team. Right now, he's relatively unknown when it comes to the the fan base. I know people that really dig their heels and investigate this team, they're aware of the impact that Matt Thomas can have. But I do think that when it comes to the casual fans, he may not even be known, you know, and I do think he's going to provide something special for this team. I'm not saying he's going to shoot 50, 60% beyond the arc. He might stay at that 45, 48% mark, which is still really good. This team needs three-point shooting. And if you scroll on my Twitter, you go all the way down, you'll see his performance in the three-point contest. Um, I want to say it was last year. It was really good. I it, I think he hit 27 from beyond the arc. It was really good. Um, so... Matt Thomas is the guy that I think is going to open a lot of eyes this year. So, good question. Uh, this one comes from Stacy on Instagram. Where do you think the Raptors are going to finish in the 2019-2020 season? That's tough. Um, my heart wants to say third place. If you listen to the episode that Peter Kay and I did um, when it came to breaking down the schedule, I said that the Raptors could win 54-ish games, 55 games. It's not outside the realm of possibility. Um, it is something that is going to be a little bit more difficult, in fact, a lot more difficult than it was last year, especially when you have the 76ers on a tear and you have the Bucks sort of rolling still. It is going to be possible, but is it likely? No. I don't know if it's likely, right? It depends on how well the Celtics perform. It also depends on how well the Pacers perform. I feel like people are sleeping on the Pacers a little bit, but... When it comes to the Raptors, the reason why I like them more than the Celtics is I really like the Raptors' depth in comparison. Celtics don't really have a lot of depth, and I know a lot of people are get these hard-ons for the Celtics every single year. Looking at you, Bill Simmons, every single year people have hard-ons for the Celtics. I just don't see it with their depth, right? And there's especially in the modern era of the NBA, they're not going to trot their guys out there for like, 40 minutes like Kemba Walker is not going to average 38 to 40 minutes a game and if the if he does sort of antiquated when it comes to how the the coaches are resting their players I I just don't see it um 
So I think the Raptors have the advantage there when it comes to their bench. When it comes to Indiana, they're sort of this wild card team that I think could really make a push for that third place spot. So I'd say the Raptors will finish anywhere between third and fifth. I don't think that we should get our hopes up for first or second place. I don't think that's a legitimate possibility. But I do think if they stay within that three, four, five spot, that'd be I'd be satisfied with that. Given the circumstances of no Kawhi Leonard on this team, no more Danny Green on this team, I'd be very much satisfied with that. Um, especially considered that this is more than likely Kyle Lowry's last year on the team, more than likely Serge Ibaka's last year on the team, more than likely Marcus Gasol's last year on the team. I'd like to see them go out, you know, really putting the boot on the throat of the East and staking, hey, we're, we're still here. Staking their claim into that, we're still here. We are the defending champions, and don't you dare forget about us. So the East is kind of a crapshoot, right? Outside of those five teams, what are you looking at? Like Miami with Jimmy Butler? Cool, man. Like, I just, I don't think they're going to be that great. I don't think one man's going to make that big of a difference. Um, Orlando, I'd like, I'm not seeing it, man. I'm not buying that they're going to be great. Like, is, is Fultz going to be awesome? I There's no evidence to, to suggest that, right? So it, it's, I don't know. I think the Raptors have a legitimate shot to open a lot of eyes and to be surprising this year in terms of where they finish. If they finish in third, that's a huge, huge success for this team. Um, if they finish in fifth, it's a little underwhelming, but still right around that area in which I think they, they would have finished anyway. So I'm not disappointed in that regard. Um, this question comes from uh, Jack on Instagram. Hey, man, just wanted to know your feelings when it comes to Kawhi Leonard and how big of a reception do you think he'll get when he comes back? A lot of Raptors questions here. Um, I think it's going to be bigger than the one Josh Donaldson get, got, and that's not to shit on Josh Donaldson. That's just... I don't know. I, I I think Kawhi Leonard, when you win a championship for a city, they're going to welcome you back with open arms. So I think the ovation and the reception that he's going to get is going to be ginormous. I think it's going to be maybe not as emotional as DeMar's return, but it's going to be one of those things where it, a lot of thank you, Kawhi chants like, thank you, Kawhi. Like a lot of that will be breaking out and maybe when he scores on the Raptors, because you consider that he's going to do that quite a bit probably in that game, uh, people will cheer that, which is going to be kind of weird, but still at the same time kind of cool. So I think it's going to be a welcome, warm reception when he comes back and you just got to hope, keep those fingers crossed that it's not going to be a scheduled rest day. It's not going to be a load management day. That's what I'm, uh, I'm hoping it's not going to be. Um, this question comes from Jimmy on, uh, on via email, actually, um, and it's the only email question we got, so we can wrap it up here. Um, in your opinion, which one of these Blue Jays will get their name on the level of excellence first? Jose Bautista, Edwin Encarnacion, or Josh Donaldson? I kind of got to just go with the guy that's not playing in Jose Bautista, right? I know he hasn't called it a career yet, but Edwin's still kicking and so is Josh Donaldson. And, you know, to their credit, they've been performing really well and hitting really well this year. So if I were a betting man, I would say it's probably going to be Jose Bautista first. And I, I would anticipate that to happen within the first maybe two, three years from now. It wouldn't surprise me because it's not like... 
there are teams out there that really would like him as an addition, right? They're not signing him. So he it's only a matter of time before he officially calls it a career. And once he does that, his name will be on the level of excellence for sure. So I'm going to go with Joey Bats first. I think that's the obvious choice based on who is still playing and who's not. And uh, Bats is a stubborn dude. Dude, he probably still thinks he has more in the tank. But if you uh, saw him perform with the plethora of teams that he did in his most recent tenure, um, no, I, I don't. I don't think he does have anything left in the in the tank. And it's only a matter of time before he uh, he recognizes that too. And that being said, it's only a matter of time before he's on the level of excellence. So I'm going to say Jose Bautista. Bank on it. Two, three years tops from now. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, that's going to wrap it up for today. I appreciate you guys submitting your questions. You can still do that anytime you want on Twitter at South of the Six. That is six spelled the number six, the letters I X. You can do that on Instagram. You can do it via email, South of the Six at gmail.com. Again, we are coming to you live from the Vivid Seats Studios. Download the Vivid Seats apps. Use the promo code Overtime. First time user, you can save up to a hundred bucks on tickets. And while you're at it, if you haven't already rate and review this podcast look that's what keeps the lights on for us here right that we're forever in your debt if you do that head on over to apple Podcasts. just drop five stars in a quick review that would help us out enormously five stars quick review what else you gotta lose man so hook us up with that if you're listening to on spotify listening to us on spotify rather do the same thing google podcast same thing whatever pod catcher you are using Drop us five stars. Leave us a review. We got a lot coming up in the near future. I'm going to have Ryan McNeil coming up next next week to talk all things Blue Jays, followed by Craig Borded the following week talking all things Blue Jays. After that, there should be a plethora of guests finishing up this, the Blue Jays season. Heading into Raptor season, we're going to have a lot more content. It's going to be ramped up to 11, man, I promise you. But thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, tell your friends, tell your fellow Blue Jays and Raptors fans about this podcast. Recommend it, share it, blow it up on Reddit, blow it up on Twitter, do all the above. I appreciate it. I'll see you guys next time. Peace. to the South of the Six podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at South of the Six and subscribe to our show. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Yeah, we're everywhere. While you're at it, if you liked what you heard, do us a solid and leave us five stars and a quick review. We appreciate it. Thanks again. Go Jays and Raptors. Raptors.